0: Welcome to Sacred CEO, the podcast where visionary women learn to be bold with their voice and become the sacred six and seven figure CEOs of their businesses and lives. I'm your host, Dr. Claudia, former Ivy League trained professor turned business coach for women with a big message and a big story to share and whose ideas don't fit neatly into a box and maybe even challenge the status quo. My mission is to teach women how to find and unleash their voice, share it unapologetically and make money while building real wealth. You'll hear solo episodes and interviews on topics such as business, spirituality and relationships. We'll talk about all the things that women are not supposed to talk about, such as unapologetic self-expression, confidence and magnetism, money, wealth and power, so that we can explore what it truly means to be a woman with a voice today. Let's dive in, because it's time to get Unleashed. The more I venture into my business journey and the more I structure my company around me and my priorities, the more I realize how much the average business guru is doing you wrong because it's teaching you a faulty model of business that for the most part doesn't work for women or leads women to burnout and that is based on capitalistic and patriarchal systems of operation that can be effective and this is not necessarily a critique of patriarchal capitalism but they don't work for your body they don't work for your nervous system they they don't work for your cyclical way of living so This is why I, studying myself, really reverse engineering what I'm doing, I've created a unique program called Sacred Feminine Business that walks you through everything I had to learn to become a sacred, a wealthy, sacred feminine business leader and healer. And let me tell you, it wasn't with insistent consistency. It wasn't with posting. Three times a day, it wasn't about consistent outreach or pushing people for the sale. It was none of that. It was really about tuning into my own medicine and my unique essence and let that emanate through me and transpire through me so that I moved away from a model of extraction in my business towards a model of emanation where I just get to be who I am in a... in the context of my business, of course, my business does in- encompass all that I am, but so that I could create structures and systems and teams that work for me, that don't deplete me, but actually amplify the best of me, my voice, and let me live and operate beyond pre-existing structures of living and doing business. I literally live outside the norm and i say this in the best way possible this is this feminine sacred business sacred feminine business my one month intensive is really for the woman who's tired uh struggling hustling trying to figure it all out herself and who's ready to align her business with Spirit and divine feminine energy. I cannot think of a better program, to be honest, to teach you a different way of doing business that has the same results, if not better, because we focus your energy, we hone in on your gifts, we package them into the perfect offers and the perfect offer suite so that you don't have to overwork and push and hustle to get clients, but you can actually keep clients in your world for for longer so if you're interested the spots are selling out i only have a couple of spots available and then my business model is changing in 2024 my prices are rising in 2024 so the access that you have to me right now won't be the access that you have in 2024 so this is the time to act this is the time to jump on it if you're ready to finally spread your message far and wide to let spirit and trust and your faith take the lead so that you don't have to just use your human willpower to make things work, but you can tap into a force greater than you and learn to market, to sell, to package your message and your offers, to launch in a different way that's more generative, that's sustainable, that's supportive of your nervous system, that's That does you so much good and does so much good to your clients and your audience as well because you'll be modeling a new way of living and breathing so this is the time to reach out as i said i only have a couple of spots available for this high touch close contact high proximity container with me one-on-one you'll get my eyes on your business and in one month we can troubleshoot everything and completely restructure it so that you go from this hustle-based business to a business based on your authentic voice where you feel completely free and unleashed. The best place to reach me is on Instagram. Even if you have any questions, I'm always available to chat it out. And I'm the first person who will turn you away if I don't think that you're ready for it or I don't think you're the right person you're the right person for this type of offer because I have zero problems turning you away. So reach out with all the questions that you have. I am an open book, but do not miss this opportunity. Beauties, I am so excited for my guest today. Heather Hubbard is a fellow Swifty. She's also a former high-powered attorney turned entrepreneur, who's best known for her luxury retreats, transformative mastermind experiences, and keynote talks on building courage in every area of your life and career. A fierce advocate of helping women and underrepresented individuals rise within their respective industries, Heather is known for her no-nonsense approach, real talk, and practical solutions. Her award-winning podcast, Hustle & Flow, all about how to shine bright without burning out and embrace your ambition without selling your soul, was published weekly from 2017 to 2020, and I believe it was also recently resumed, so go check it out. Prior to establishing her own company, Heather was a partner and practice group leader at an Amlaw 200 law firm. During that time, Heather was recognized by Best Lawyers in America, Super Lawyers, and Managing IP Stars. She received the ABA Entertainment Law Initiative Award and was named one of Nashville's 40 Under 40 by the Nashville Business Journal. Fun fact, Heather has walked the Grammy red carpet multiple times and has worked with many television, film, and music celebrities. She's been featured in Forbes, NBC, Business Insider, Ladders, Authority Magazine, Grammy Magazine, The Huffington Post, and more. Heather lives in Nashville with her husband and three crazy cats. She loves traveling, singing, dancing, painting, stand-up comedy, interior decorating, fine dining, trading stocks, and fighting for what's right. She's got her work cut out for her in Tennessee, as far as that is concerned. So I'm so excited for you to listen to my interview with Heather Hubbard. Hi Heather, it's so good to have you on the Sacred CEO podcast. Welcome!
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, it's so cool, and I'm so looking forward to our conversation. So tell us a little bit about who you are, which is usually a hard question, and yeah, what, yeah, what, what you feel your calling is as well.
1: Um, Who I am? Well, it's funny because at my retreats, this is one of the questions I ask people because we have our standard response, right? So it's like. I'm Heather Hubbard, and I'm a former lawyer and online business owner. At, right, like, but the truth is, who am I at my core? I am creative. I thrive off of humor and a fun environment. Um, I love to share my perspective and um, to just be in a world where we're making things better. I think that's who who I am.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. There's already so much here to unpack and dive deeper into. And I love how you approach this question because it's one of the hardest questions. And it's like, I never know what to answer and how to respond properly. And I love that, you know, the conventional answer is like, oh my titles and what I do instead of the qualities that define me. Yeah. How did you get to this point of like, oh, I'm not what I do, but I am who I am?
1: I mean, it has been quite the journey. Um, And I think I always understood the concept. Um, I've always known when I was helping others really kind of unpack who they are and what they're doing and why they're doing it. Like I knew to ask those questions, but I don't think I've fully understood it or appreciated it until, um, these past few years, mm-hmm. I had a tumor that kind of took me out and took me out of my business and everything else. And I had to go on a sabbatical where I no longer was doing anything. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think a, a lot of high, you know, high achieving women, like we've been We've been going nonstop and achieving and gaining titles and recognition since we were born, right? Like even as kids, we were always doing and being and achieving. And when all of that is stripped away, and you're just left with you and your time, that was the scariest thing I've ever experienced because I didn't. I don't think I wanted to know. I mean i I had an identity crisis. um, Just this like moment of, oh my gosh, like without my job, without my career, without my ambition, without my goals, like, who am I? And I didn't know. It was a horrible process.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: it was not beautiful. It was not this slow, gorgeous unraveling. No, it was horrible. Um, And, you know, I went through depression, but then when i started to try to like regain well what's going to bring me happiness like i just wanted to be happy again i was like i may not be healthy i may not have these like you know huge career wins but what's going to make me happy and that is where i really found out who i was
0: and how did you get to that question of like oh maybe the key to everything is in this this notion of happiness or what makes me happy which is such a simple concept and so transformative. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think, I mean, to be brutally honest, I was just so sad. Mm. I was so sad. And I was in such a place of just grief and despair that I just wanted to feel better. And um, I think that's where I was just yearning for. I want to feel better. And for me, feeling better meant being happy, or happier. like I have to find a way to live in this world um, differently. And nothing was bringing me joy. And so I was like, what's what's going to make me happy? What's going to bring me joy? And I didn't know the answer. It wasn't like I just was like, oh, that's a great question. Let's journal on this. <laughs> I mean, I, I love to journal. So of course I journaled on it, but that's not what revealed itself. I mean, it was a lot of exploration and experimentation and just playing with things, um, which again was not fun in the beginning, but slowly it actually became a ton of fun. And I started to really learn what did light me up, what did bring me joy. And the interesting thing is I already knew all of these things about me and I tried to bring them to the table but I didn't realize that they weren't something to bring to the table. They were who like they were the core. They were the essence of who I was. And that's that's kind of been a mind-blowing um and life-changing um discovery
0: so good. Do you want to give the audience maybe an overview of your story and career path because it's connected to that so that we have a little bit of context and then we can dive deeper into all of this. Sure. It's like so juicy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um I grew up in a small town in Kentucky and knew that I wanted to get out. I knew that I wanted to do something big, but I decided that I would be a lawyer. Now, at the same time, I've always loved entertaining. And so I was like, I either want to be the president of the United States, or I want to be this like huge singer entertainer. Those were the two paths. I went to Vanderbilt Law School to become a lawyer. And um, I also went into entertainment and intellectual property because that kind of filled the creative need. And so I practiced entertainment law. I worked with a lot of celebrities, did a lot of really cool things. I was at one of the largest law firms in America uh, worked my way up was like the only female, one of the only female managers, um, at the firm and in a lot of my cases. And so I did that and was, everything was going great, but I was like, this is not, this is not it. And so I left the firm, um, to start my own business and it was a personal professional development company. And I, did all the things that, you know, it started with telecourses and then we did online courses and we were doing retreats and masterminds, and that really grew. Um, I was very successful, loved everyone that I was working with, and was really, I mean, it was kind of like at the height, like at 2020, like everything was just really clicking. And then, as you know, the pandemic happened and um you know, the clients were really struggling. I was struggling to help them. And at that same time, I started having all of these health issues and I didn't know what was going on. So it's kind of like this perfect storm. And I, um, I'll bore you all the details, um, but I kept going to the doctor, saying I think there's something wrong with me, and all of the doctors kept dismissing me, and uh, they said, "Well, this is just middle age. You're probably perimenopausal. You're in, you know, the pandemic. Like these, you're, you're. This is just life." And I just knew, intuitively, I knew something is not right. And so because I kept advocating for myself, they finally discovered that I had an adrenal tumor, which was releasing nonstop cortisol. So cortisol is really like that adrenaline fight or flight. And it was, we couldn't turn it off. We couldn't turn it off. And so it was not only really messing with my mental capacity, my emotional capacity, but. My physical capacity, so uh, what it does is it thins everything, and so I started like gaining a lot of weight. I started aging really fast. Uh, my you know bones were weaker, my muscle like it was bizarre. But the biggest thing was like as a cerebral person, I didn't really have control over my mind, my thoughts, and my emotions. And as someone who does a lot of work around that, it was very frustrating that none of my tools were working. Um, they finally we were able to do surgery and remove the tumor but it had already done a ton of damage so we had to work on trying to reverse that damage and um my right adrenal atrophied so i couldn't really live on my own i didn't have an immune system so they had to give me a lot of steroids which also creates a ton of issues around that so um i was really and like so the business i had to lay off all of my employees i had to stop working um And because I couldn't really help people, I mean, they thought I could help them, but I knew I wasn't, like, I was not at my best. And um, so I was really kind of out for, you know, a bit. And just this year, have I really started coming back? So I know that was a long answer, but I think all of that's probably needed for context.
0: Yeah. And absolutely necessary. And how's your health right now? It is great.
1: It is great. There's still, I mean, I'm not like 100% recovered physically, but mentally and emotionally I'm back. And as you know, right, that is everything, uh, being able to work on your thoughts and your emotions is so important and i never realized how ableist i was with that because i assumed everyone could actually do that and use those tools and i now know sometimes you actually can't there is a medical reason yeah um yeah impacting your yeah. brain that's just not going to let you have the results you'd like
0: yes absolutely and i find it so interesting that there's of course i You know, this may be connected to something else in a medical sense, and I'm definitely not an expert in that. But what I keep hearing over and over again is that if we, you know, strive, as women strive to achieve success, uh, high achieving women strive to achieve success in the US, the Western world, in the traditional patriarchal sense, then we end up, I hear of so many women with adrenal fatigue, burnout, cortisol problems. So because there might be another medical reason for in your case but i find it so interesting that there's a connection to that to stress to cortisol to adrenals and yeah,
1: yeah they don't you know so it's actually pretty rare to yeah. actually have an adrenal tumor like that so there's not a ton of research um but they say that the reason is it's either hereditary i don't know of anyone in my family who's had it or um there's like these other causes, none of which I have, right? Like that would tick boxes. Um, And so, but it is higher among women than men. And I'm with you. I wonder, right? Like kind of like adrenal fatigue. Did I overdo it?
0: Yeah. And then like, I mean, Apart from your physical symptom, sy- symptoms, right? And a real, a very serious health crisis, it's like, you know, you knew that there was something wrong and you advocated for yourself and you knew that you had re- reached a limit.
1: Uh, I absolutely knew. And it was so, I mean, interesting is the nicest word to say it.
0: <laughs>
1: it was yeah. so interesting um, how the medical profession treated it because, well, one, the first doctor, because I didn't have a, a a PCP because I'm never sick, and uh, but so the first person that I went to, he literally told me to go on the belly fat diet. Like yeah. that was his prescription yeah. was to get the book The Belly Fat Diet, and I clearly I never went back to him. Um, but so many people did think that it was like perimenopause and. Yeah. Some of these symptoms very much might be that, but I have talked to so many people since who did have a serious health issue and they were also dismissed because of the same reason. So I think it's, it's really important to know that when you become a middle-aged woman, there is a tendency for doctors to assume that most of what you're experiencing must be related to perimenopause or menopause. And maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. And trust yourself to know.
0: Yes. And this was, I'm assuming, both male and female doctors. Yes. Yeah. 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 So this is so telling that your body knows, your intuition knows. So just good for you for really going... And investigate
1: that. Well, and part of it for me was okay, like if this is perimenopause, like what are we going to do about it? Like, how are you going to help me? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, I had a, but like you're right. I, ha- I had a suspicion this is, that ain't it. That ain't it.
0: Yes, so good. And then you found yourself without the external identifiers, without a job, without a team, without clients, right? Because you had to really focus on yourself. And so that's why you're like, oh, there's emptiness now. What do I do with it?
1: Yeah, someone asked me, they were like, What are the thoughts, you know, that you have when you strip everything away? And I said, Well, I'll tell you what my thought was um i said and it's deep and it's dark and that was i don't matter my life doesn't matter without all of those achievements and the validation and working towards something with purpose like that's where that's what it felt like for me and that was a really hard place to be
0: yeah and yes and thank you for being so honest about that because i think This is what all of us feel, especially when we've identified ourselves so much with a career, a career path, helping others, right? Because we love to help others and be um, functional to others, in a in a good Mm -hmm. way. So when all of that goes away and it's only us, we really start asking ourselves, what is our value? Right.
1: Yeah. Because I always wanted to have an impact. Yeah. And when it's just me, myself, and I, it's like, well, what's the what's the impact? Like what am I even doing? What am I here for? Um and when you're so busy, right, achieving and helping others, you don't actually have to have those thoughts. <laughs> because you feel like, you know, you are making a difference. And you are, right? We all are. Um, but yeah, it, it allows us to not have to sit with those feelings
0: yeah so it's also like you know the dark side of wanting to have an impact is like, oh, maybe you know we we do it with the best intentions, and then it's similar, maybe when we're focusing like a hundred and ten percent on our kids, we do it with the best intentions, but then there's a part of us that wants to run away from herself,
1: yeah, purpose and passion is great. it is wonderful, and it can be a way to distract ourselves from the real issue.
0: And it's so, I mean, I've, I found myself in that spot when kind of what I thought multiple times, right. I feel like this is a cycle that we go through a uh, multiple stages in life. And I'm like, what the fuck, isn't it over? I already went through it <laughs> once. Right. And then I'm like, Oh no, here it goes again. And, um, and there's just a, a deeper level each time. But then it's like, it's, what was unsettling for me it was realizing that what i thought to be true that was based on good intentions what i was doing before was actually also based on running away from myself or identifying just one part of myself as valuable instead of like me being valuable just because i am right right but
1: because when you when you want to impact others right and when you have this Validation, you know, or I was, I don't know, maybe other people don't do that, but I was still relying on I needed to either get a gold star, get a check, or I needed someone to say, Yes, that's wonderful. I appreciate you. Um, and it really was when the gold stars and the checks and the validation went away. I was like, oh my gosh. Um and it just let me see that it, my my intentions were not as pure as I actually thought they were.
0: <laughs> Isn't that interesting? What a smack in the face. I got yeah. people once, you know, that happens often to me, but it's like, oh, I thought I was like this perfect, high achieving woman. Instead, yeah, I wanted to be liked. Yeah. Yeah. And- while you were sitting in this void, let's say, what are the things that you did? Both practical, if you did anything, you know, the moment when your brain is not functioning anymore as it was, or maybe mindset work doesn't work anymore. Uh, what are the things that you did, including like maybe just sitting there? Mm-hmm. Well,
1: initially, I fought against it, yeah. and so I just kept trying to, you know, I was like, I. I can outsmart this, right? Like I can do this, and so I just kept pushing. And um, I actually had um, a therapist help me. Uh, she was like, "What? What happens if you have to change your baseline expectations of what your brain can do?" And that was actually a huge relief for me because as soon as I start stopped expecting things to work. And as soon as I stopped expecting um, myself to be able to figure this out, there was just this pressure released and it allowed me to just kind of be, and it allowed me to be in this place where I could just witness what I was capable of and saying, okay, that's the expectation for today. So like, that's a mindfulness tool to witness, but it would just, I had to use it in a different way. And- Often mindfulness helped me like actually get the result I wanted, and in this case, I couldn't get the result I wanted, but it allowed me to be and not fight. Um, and so when I finally got to this place of surrender, um, that is also, I mean, I like I don't want to sugarcoat it. I mean, I, I was depressed, um, and there for a long time, I mean, I would just. Like I would try to read, I would try to watch TV, but I was just really sad. And I told someone once, I was like, literally my days are spent watching hummingbirds. We moved into a new home and there were these hummingbirds that they love our, we have these little like lights over our patio and it's like the perfect little circumference for them. Like they love to sit on it. And so they're there all the time. They hang out with me. And I just sat with the hummingbirds, which sounds beautiful and peaceful. And I did love them, but I would just sit like I just, I was kind of a zombie. I was kind of numbed out. And then when my brain finally started to make improvements, um, I was just like, something's got to give, something's got to give. Um, And that's when I just, and I guess even before that, I just started like trying to figure out ways to fill my time, right? Like I just wanted to be in a cocoon and isolate. But so I started taking. these painting classes that were like 10 to two on a Tuesday. (laughs) Right. And, uh, I would go to these like swim, like things. And it's not even that I enjoyed it. And it was interesting because I was with a lot of mostly older women who were all retired. And, um, but I just started getting out of the house and being in spaces to do things, to keep me busy so that I wasn't just sitting there, Alone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Had you done what I what strikes me is that um, what you started doing. Yeah. It was a little bit of just like sitting there. And then also things to engage your creativity and also engage your body. So, kind of like yeah. from this mind level and brain level that we as high achieving women are over identified with to more the somatics and creative energetic state.
1: Yeah. And I will say, because this goes back to the intuition. Um, when I fully went on the sabbatical, when I was like, okay, I can't, because the doctors were like, can you just stop? Like, you need space. And so when I fully went on the sabbatical, I was not happy about it. I know a lot of people are like, it would be so wonderful to have a break. And it's great for them because they know what they want to do. I went kicking and screaming into the sabbatical. And I knew that I was going to need something intuitively. I knew I was going to need something to help get me out of it. And um, so I had saw on, uh, I think I was on Instagram. And I, so I saw all of these people having this fabulous time in LA at a an event called The Most with Rachel Rogers and Susan Hyatt. And I was just like, uh they're all having the most the best time and I'm having the worst time. And intuitively I was just like they put the tickets on sale for the next year in April. And that was when my sabbatical was going to be over because I just I was like I'll do one year <laughs> as if I'm in control. And I went ahead and booked that ticket. Like I didn't know why I was going to be there, what I was going to be doing. I just needed something to hang on to. Yeah. And I am so glad That I did that because I just kept thinking, I got to be ready. I got to be ready. I got to go in April. And when I went again, like I was, I didn't know what I was going to be there for, but they were, I was the only person up dancing sometimes because I was like, I'm out of the house. I am alive. I'm going to dance. And I wasn't there for the business or any of that. But at the end, I actually heard Susan Hyatt do or say something. And I was just like, I think that she can help me. Mm. And that was just that little, and I didn't know why. And I joined something like a mastermind where, you know, people are there to achieve these business goals. And I told Susan, I was like, I just want my mojo back. Like, can that be the goal? (laughs) And she was like, yeah. And so from there, it was just being in the space of this is my goal. My goal is to get my mojo back. And so it was like, well, what is that going to look like? And so I really started exploring my creativity. I forced myself to do something fun every single day. I forced myself to start getting out of the house on my own and doing things on my own kind of to rebuild my confidence. Um, And I just was in that space of exploration and having fun. And, And it was through that, that I found myself again, that I was able to find, um, What not only makes me happy, but what would really bring me joy in business again, in life again, with friends again. So, I think for your listeners, if you ever have that intuitive hit that you need to do something and you don't know why, like just trust that your higher self knows why. You know, maybe even a year from now, they know why. And you don't have to sign up for programs. Where it's a perfect fit. You don't have to know what's going to come out of it. If you set your intention and you're with someone that you believe will hold space for you, you will do the work. You will show up for yourself the way you need to. So I just think it's so important to just rely on those those gut feelings and not always be in your head.
0: Yeah. Especially with something like you know, signing up for an event, joining a mastermind, even signing up for a coach. I think in today's world, so many people put expectations on the coach to kind of like save them or the program.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes.
0: Right. And it's like, well, these are daddy issues, first of all. (laughs) And And then it's like, just trust yourself and you'll get exactly what you need. Even if it's like a hard lesson, you'll get that with, you know, a person who's in integrity, but if you sign up with someone who's not in integrity, maybe you needed that lesson and just trust yourself and follow your intuition. And you're going to make the right choice. So whatever the right choice is for you, I promise. So I love that you did that.
1: Yeah. And what you just said is so good because it's don't outsource your success. All right. So it's because, right. Like you and I have like, we've led so many women in programs and retreats and people always kind of like want to know, like, what's the difference between someone who succeeds and someone who maybe doesn't succeed as much um, or clients will come in and they want, they're like, Oh, you did this for them. You'll do it for me. I don't do anything for anyone. Right. Yeah. And you don't either. Like, right. We, what we do is we're in integrity and we hold space and we can help facilitate your growth and success. But if you come in thinking that we're going to save you or that we're going to fix all your problems or that there's just this one missing piece and we're going to tell you what that missing piece is, it's not going to work. And the reason why it's not going to work is because even if we did those things for you, it's not going to last because what lasts is when you learn to listen to yourself when you learn to take action based on what you know, and we need people to help bring that out of us. Yeah, exactly. But, but so yeah, the people who are the most successful come in knowing that they are responsible for their results and being open to allowing the person they hired to push them and nudge them and facilitate them as opposed to hand it to them on a silver platter.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because then, as you say, it won't work. It's just like a transactional, you know, step by step that just especially, you know, as creatives, um, it doesn't work. It has to be your way and you have to take responsibility for your results. And so every time, you know, it doesn't happen a lot anymore that a client will come to me or a prospect will come to me and say, oh, what can you do for me? Uh, and I get the sense that they want to get some extract something out of me. First of all, I yeah. know they're not the right client they're probably not ready because maybe I thought that at some point in my life or career, but they're not ready for, to work with me and I wouldn't want to work with them. But then it's still it makes me sad because it's still transactional, capitalistic thinking that you want to get things mm-hmm. out.
1: Yeah. It's like this concept of there's something outside of you, right? It's like as the client, right? Like there's something outside of you that you've got to go get to make it all work. And it's all inside of you, you know, it's, it's not outside, but at the same time, when you're like me and you're sitting on a couch by yourself with your thoughts and your are
0: <laughs> that's
1: not going to get you anywhere either. Um, and sometimes we're just in those spaces, right? Like personal things happen in our lives where we have those moments of grief and depression and whatever else. But when we're trying when we're in the space of wanting to achieve or move forward, um, having others in your corner and helping you because everyone right, like they they can see what you can't see because we're just too close to it. But um, trusting yourself to always have the answer to find the solution to do what's right for you. The most successful business people are original and authentic. Yeah. They're not following a formula. And I think that's what people early on, especially, miss. Yeah. It's great to do programs where you learn concepts, but then make it your own, you know?
0: Yeah, especially in business, which is such a creative act. Yeah. And especially as we're building personal brands, whether we want it or not whether we're introverts or extroverts, people want to feel us. And the only way to feel who you truly are is if you are authentic to yourself and find your own way of doing business or do, and doing life as well. Yeah.
1: And, you know, we talk about what is authenticity, like the authentic. And um, I know that's a bit of a buzzword and I threw that out there. Um, but I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like you think you're being authentic, but... Th- the most authentic you are is, or what I'm, you know, what I've discovered is it's who you are when everything else is removed.
0: Yeah. And
1: oftentimes we don't really know what that is. And honestly, like you mentioned, we're going to be figuring that out until the day we die. Yeah. But isn't that the fun? Isn't that the joy is just learning more and more about yourself and what brings you joy, which might be different at different phases in life.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think what a realization that I had is that we can seek support even in the unfolding, not only in the achieving part, you know, the right, like you did, the right business coach will help you business coach or coach or whatever, right? Personal trainer, it doesn't matter. But they will help you not just to achieve the perfect physique or like uh, your life partner or, you know, the 10k months or whatever, they can help you also in the unfolding as you birth the new version of yourself, the more authentic version of yourself.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I have always at every point in my career, when I was a lawyer, even when I was a law student, um, a lawyer, and then the online business, the speaking, like everything I've always hired whether it's a mentor, a therapist, a coach, a, a mastermind, like I'm always in a space to have someone to help facilitate that. Because yes. just for me personally, I have found that I go so much, like I just grow so much faster and it's just more joyful to have someone in your corner cheering for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. um,
1: yeah. So yeah. Surrounding yourself With and being willing to invest in yourself. I mean, when I was in law school and I knew I wanted to be an entertainment attorney, everyone said, Well, that's really hard to get. You know, you generally have to know someone. So, like, go be a really good attorney first. And I was like, I just don't think that's the way to do it. (laughs) I was like, That doesn't make sense to me. I hear you. And, um, and so what I did was I would pay to go to, so lawyers have what are called CLEs. It's continuing legal education. You have to get so many of these credits a year. And the Nashville Bar Association had these CLEs for entertainment attorneys, and they were held at these big music companies, but it cost money. And so it was like maybe $150 for three hours. Now, I'm a law student. I don't need CLEs. Um, but I paid the hundred and fifty dollars to get into the room, and I and there were twice a year. And by the end of my law school, right, I had been to six, and there's not that many people in the community. They all knew my name, you know, they knew me, and that made all the difference in the world. And so, and then they mentored me, you know. So I, I don't know. I just really think that you have to invest in yourself, invest to be in the right rooms, invest in mentors, but never outsource your results. Trust yourself to make the right decisions. Trust yourself to make the right moves. Trust yourself in the actual execution.
0: Yeah. And what I feel, this is so important because what I feel is that what holds so many people back is that they calibrate their energy or what they think they can achieve based on the people around them, like their Mm. parents, their husband, or whatever, their high school friends. And those are not the right people to determine what you can or cannot accomplish. Just because they may not understand it, you know, even if they have their, your best interest in mind, they want to keep you safe. You have to really, as you did, trust your intuition and put yourself in the rooms and hire the mentors and Invest in yourself in all the ways. And yeah, it might sound like such a cliche, but there's no other way.
1: And you have to trust yourself. Like you've got to be courageous enough to leave the room. So I used to, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I used to have clients who would sign up for everything I did. Mm -hmm. And I love them, right? Like who, I mean, we all love repeat clients, right? But I could also tell when it was holding them back. Yeah. When it was time for them to move on. It was time for them to have a new teacher, facilitator, it was time for them to be surrounded by a, a different group of people for new perspectives. And so um yeah, I mean sometimes like being in a room like that was your growth spot. Yeah. But now it's time to grow again. Yeah. And I think sometimes we, we take things really we tend to take things personally, right? So it's like, well, if I have this client and they move on to someone else, it means they didn't like me. So there's like two ways to look at this. Are you the coach or are you the client? And no, it just means that you help them get to the next phase for them to move on. And if you feel as though they always have to work with you and no one else, you're no longer interested in their growth or your growth. You're just focused on what's going to pay my bills. And so trusting that you're both going to grow together and move on together and expand together um is a beautiful thing and is always a sign I think of you're really advancing in in your career um in your business as a person when you can see that being together is not the sign of success. You know, it's growing, it's growing together.
0: Growing together. And then your circle expands. Mm -hmm. You know, your current and past clients and the people you've collaborated with and an old client might come back and then you'll find new clients and new people. But it's not that people go away necessarily. I mean, someone will, but it gets bigger. The love gets bigger.
1: Yes. And if you got them great results, they're going to tell others that they got you great results. You know what I mean? Um I I every person I've ever worked with, I am constantly sending them new clients. It's not like when I move to one person it's like, "Oh, I'm going to send all people these people here." No, I spread it out because I know what people help me with and I know where other people are and so it allows me to make a better referral. So that's yes, I love that. It's you're just expanding your world and your universe. Yeah.
0: And uh, I also, what I love about that is that it's about evolution because the clients are going to evolve. You are going to evolve also as a facilitator. So you may not be a match anymore, but everyone should keep evolving because otherwise we're dead. And, you know, the old myth was like, oh, find a career, have the house in the suburbs and these fixed identities. And I know we started with like the question, who are you or what do you do? but like this is not the time of fixed identities. We are not a fixed identity. We keep evolving and expanding.
1: And it's so easy to get stuck. The older we get, the easier it is to get stuck because we get comfortable. We feel like, oh, I've already worked so hard for this. And we start to tell ourselves stories. I mean, the most common story I hear among women, and maybe men too, I just, (laughs) <laughs> work with women um is but I don't think I can get better, right? Like I don't want to have to rebuild. I, I don't want to, you know, like it took so much to build this this career, this reputation, this marriage to get this house, whatever. Right. And there's just this fear of like, I don't want to start over. When what they can't see and what they're missing is that they're actually in a ton of pain. Like they they think like this is the best it's going to get when it's like they're in a ton of pain. And the missing part is it might've felt like you worked hard for that reputation. It might've felt like you worked hard for that business, but do you know how much more experience you have in life now? Um. So when people actually make that jump, right, and they leave a bad marriage or- um, they move to a new job or they start something new or they start a hobby or just whatever. They're just like, why did I not do that sooner? And it's just because the older we get, we have these beliefs and these stereotypes that that's when you're supposed to just cruise, right? Like I was supposed to have the house. I was supposed to have the marriage. I was supposed to have the job. And like, if that shifts, it means I did something wrong. No, it doesn't.
0: And I think maybe we can acknowledge that it is hard to leave, right? It, oh, yeah. Um, it is hard to leave. It's hard to be left. I, I'm saying this as someone who's struggled a lot with abandonment issues. And so oh, yeah. that manifested both in having a hard time leaving people or situations and having a hard time being left. Yep. Um, It is hard to leave, especially after a lot of hard work, a lot of energy a lot of positive things as well but what I always remind myself is that I cannot say no well first of all it's hard to recognize when the soul and your intuition is calling but then you cannot say no to that because it'll get louder and louder and then you'll have health issues divorces you know some sort of crumble moment that will make it very very apparent
1: yeah. I mean, I think part of it too is, I mean, it is scary. And not only is it scary, it's it's hurtful. Like you you might grieve, there might be relations like there's one hundred like there's a million valid reasons for why you don't want to do it. But it's like difficult conversations. Yeah. The worst part is the lead up. <laughs> right? yeah, the worst really part gone. is just the thoughts that you have in your head. It's not the conversation itself. Um, it may like the conversation may not go well and it might not feel good, but the actual conversation is far less painful than all of the lead up thinking about it and the anxiety leading up to it, as well as what you think about it afterwards. Right. And it doesn't like we're human. We're going to have the thoughts leading up to it. We're going to have the thoughts after we don't have to try to like stop that but just knowing that we will get through it right like it's it's not it's not going to be the end of the world and there's going to be something more beautiful after it then sometimes that can help us move through it but i think a lot of times people have the fear of what if there's not something more beautiful after and i think that's really what we have to work with is to shift that so instead of saying like well what if there's nothing better saying, I know there's going to be something better and I'm going to actively go find, like, I can't wait to find out what that is. I have no idea what it is, but I can't wait to go find out what it is. And I'm going to actively put myself in situations to try to discover it because that, I think that just helps shift your energy and will get you better results. Uh, It'll probably help you find something more beautiful.
0: Yeah. And also finding support even in the process so that you have communities and coaches and mentors that can make you feel less alone in the process of unfolding.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we really try to do everything on our own. We always try to be so strong and um, we don't we don't want to burden other people. Uh we don't want to admit that like we might be struggling with something or that we don't have it all together all the time. And that just keeps us in more and more pain. Um I think yeah. Intellectually, we all know that we're happy to support others. We never we don't think those things of other people. Um we don't feel like it's a burden uh when other people come to us and yet uh we're just so trained to believe that we can't admit when we are I'm putting weak in quotation marks yeah. um but it's so much easier when you allow others to help you now granted, I this is just me personally um I tend to lean more on professionals than I do friends and families <laughs> Which maybe why <laughs> I always lie. have like yeah, yeah which maybe why I always have mentors and coaches and whatever yeah. else. Um, just because I feel like they're more neutral.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. And I don't have to. Yeah. I think that's probably what it is. Yeah,
0: or maybe I think something that's helpful and that I learned recently is also to differentiate the types of support that you get and seek. So maybe a partner is great. from like, oh, I want a hug. Like you know, they're more kind of like cuddly and kind of like emotional support. But then if you really have to dive into, you know, the nuances of the issue, maybe like someone more neutral. Yeah. Or if you're in process, I find like with my partner, if I'm in process, you know, he listens, but sometimes it gives it him, I'm very much in process all the time. And I can realize that sometimes it gives him anxiety because he wants to help, but there's nothing to do. So, you yes. I'm not looking for a solution or anything, but um, if he gets super anxious, it's not helping me. So then I know that, you know, certain things are better with my coaches and my mastermind and my mentors and other things are better with partner, my partner yeah. friends. Yeah. And so now we were talking about like, oh, living life with, without a lot to do, right? And how radical that is. And I'm curious to hear about that and also to hear about... The retreats that you facilitate. No. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. So I am, it's so funny because I'm like happier than I've ever been
0: <laughs> with free
1: time and space, which is wild. Because I would have never thought that. I was always the person who was like, What's a hobby? Like, who are these people with hobbies? I am so confused. And now I love my space. I love my free time. Um, I don't want a lot of stuff on my calendar. Um, I love to paint. I love to read. I love to journal. I love to um, just decorate. I I just, I love to go dance. There's all these things that I love to go do. And I kind of let myself do them whenever. But then when I do work, um i'm in I'm so more creative, I'm so much more efficient um yeah it it it's well, it's radical for me. I don't know if it's radical for everyone, but it is radical for me um, and yeah, so I've actually been leading these retreats at my favorite place on earth in Maraval since twenty sixteen, and um. It's always been so much fun to see who shows up Mm. and because a lot of people show up, they're like, I don't know why I'm here. I just know I'm supposed to be here. I'm like, that's my favorite person. Um, So just the transformation uh, that people have just in like, it's such a short time, but it totally changes their life. I've done so many different things over the years, but this is what just people change like in that moment they change and it's different for everyone um i have one client from the last retreat who came right because she had intentions related to her business but what she discovered was that there was actually a lot of pain around her father she had an alcoholic father and she had no contact with him and through the retreat realized that she actually wanted to try to heal that. And um it's been a process, but she just reached out to me a few weeks ago and uh told me that she actually they met in person. That's so good. Right for the first time in like 30, 40 years. And they're healing that relationship. Um so you know like you just you can't plan that. You can't predict that. And then I've had others who have come in um and totally changed careers or did something different within their it's just anyway it's it's magical it's fun um and i'm super excited i've got another one coming up in february Mm -hmm. and this will be the first one since my sabbatical the first one since i've got my mojo back and because i have learned so much since then um that I just I just know this one's going to be even more magical because I'm I'm bringing even more to the table of this journey. Um and so that's that's all I'm doing these days. Like I'm just doing the retreat. Before I had a lot of different programs. Yeah. And because my priorities are different. Yeah. Like it's all I'm doing because it's what brings me the most joy and I know gets clients the best results. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what I'm up to these days.
0: And the, so the Miraval is a hotel. Is it a hotel chain or just a hotel?
1: Well, so Miraval started as a freestanding resort. Uh, It's an exclusive property. So like you can't get on it unless you're there. Over the years, it's been acquired by a few different people. Hyatt now owns it and they have started to expand it. Um, they now have a Miraval in Austin, and they have an a Miraval in the Berkshires, but the one in Tucson is the original. They each kind of have different uh, personalities. There's something about the desert in my mind that is just um, I, it, it, the, the energy there is amazing.
0: Yeah, it's so heating. I didn't know, you know this, but I moved to Phoenix. No, for a year and a half. I'm in Italy right now, but I lived in Scottsdale for a year and a half. Um, yeah. I don't live in Philly anymore. So yeah, I moved there for the desert. I was like, I need to be in the desert. So I totally it's, get it. And I love Tucson.
1: Uh, it is just such a healing area. And then Miraval itself, like, I feel like we're like business besties because <laughs> they're a mindfulness property, mm. but you can't have your phone. You mm. can't be on your phone. I love it. you got to either be in your room or there's one little area. Like if you're going to use your phone, that's where it is. And they have little sleeping bags for your phone. So it's like, you got to be present, like check out, you have a digital detox and that in and of itself is huge. Um, and their food is healthy, but delicious. It's like to die for the property itself is just kind of this healing and it's a little bit mystical. So I'm kind of a mystical gal. And so, um, There's just a lot of cool things on the property that way. And then there's a ton of like just adventurous things to do. So there's all of these different things uh, that allow me to introduce people to kind of a different, slower way of life, seeing things in a different way, being in luxury, because a lot of women think that they're around luxury, but they're not fully around luxury. This is a very luxurious place. Um, And it's expensive. A lot of people are like, "Well, I would never spend this money on myself," which is why I do it where the fee is all included. Yeah, because it's like invest in yourself, and we'll take care of this for you, so that you don't have to be like, "How much am I paying for a <laughs> um, And then the it, yeah, so like I just create this entire journey where some of it's me, some of it's the resort, but like it all flows together. It's like you can go to Miraval and get a great experience, you can work with me and get a great experience, but when you put the two together, it's magic
0: i can imagine and so the february one is going to be in tucson yes yes oh my god i needed to move to arizona because there's just so much space Mm. like i needed to have very few things around me and yeah just commune with nature so i totally get it i'm sure it's amazing so is there a wait list for the tucson retreat where where can people find you and find out more yeah
1: there. There are spots still open. Um, You can find out about it at heatherjoyhubbard.com. And I spend most of my time on Instagram. Like that's where I like to hang out in the social world. Um, That's one of the things I did. I stopped doing all the socials and I just, I'm just on Instagram because that platform brings me the most joy. So if you're on Instagram, um, same handle, it's and. I share a little bit every day about just what I'm doing, creativity, podcasts. I may revive my old podcast. Um, and comedy, I'm doing stand-up comedy, <laughs> which is so much fun. I
0: love the multi sorry to interrupt you, but I love the multifaceted nature of what how you spend your time and your life because that's what we need. We need to really have be able to express all sides of ourselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you just want to kind of like be inspired or see what it looks like for a high achieving woman to be doing a lot of things other than just business, um, you definitely get to witness that on my Instagram page.
0: Well, so good. And I'll put all the links in the in the show notes as well. So Heather, this has been so good. The last question that I want to ask you, and I'm super curious to see What you're going to say is, what does it mean for you to be a woman with a voice?
1: For me, it's, I think it's just life. I cannot imagine what it would feel like to be in a country where you don't have a voice or to have, you know, been in a previous um, era where you didn't have a voice. And I know that in future generations, women are going to have an even stronger and greater voice. But yeah, I mean, I just, I just feel like even though there's so much shit going on and in so many ways, it just feels like we're constantly battling. We have more of a voice now than we ever have. And so if I wasn't using it, um, it would It would just feel, I don't know. I know that sounds bleak, but it would just feel like such a waste. It would feel like death for me. Um, my voice is my life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Voice is life. 100%. Okay, Heather, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I love their chat. There's so much more that we could talk about. Maybe we'll do a part two sometimes. And yeah, thank you so much again.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sacred CEO podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. And please share it with all the women in your circle who can benefit from it. We're building a movement of powerhouse, heart-led, visionary sisters who are choosing to be bold with their voice and build Six and seven-figure transformational businesses based on their authentic voice that create wealth and a legacy for generations to come. And don't forget to subscribe to get access to next week's episode. I'll see you there.